I don't think we've recorded in what a month. It's been a while. It's been a while. Don't you feel listening to those old episodes like it's a different person? I've never listened to those episodes. You serious? I can't listen to myself talk. Oh man, I kind of have to because I have to. Edit. I know you. You have to. Because yeah. You do the, the most important part. I just right. talk shit. All right, so uh, this is Pancom Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back to Pancom Podcast. I am. Nick Jimenez, the sound guy formerly known as Nick Jimenez. However, no, I you was, have a new title. I was referred to in a review, a Facebook. Did you know you can go on Facebook and review this shit? I didn't know that that was even possible. And this whole thing I blew learned my that, mind. I learned that doing this. I was told, I was I was written about, not even I was told. I got a good review. <laughs> I, I, I was I'd written like about to, as being, I'd like to oh, read, go, Do, go for it, go for I'd it. I'd like to read your Yelp review. Uh... Nick is well-spoken and a great host. Vite. Highly recommend tuning in. Boom. But what did they say a, about you? Because I like yours better. Bueno. I mean, bueno. I mean everybody knows. Michael but. Beltran is passionate and insightful. Oh, what else? What else? <laughs> Gives an authentic perspective into the food and beverage industry with a lot of Cuban flair. Vaya. Vite. Vite. <laughs> Cuban flair. That's I'm Cuban B. Oh, man. That, yeah. That's what they call you because you're the king of the Roomba beat. <laughs> Great um, review. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, to Bethany for that review. And Nick is well-spoken and a great host. Thank you. But that's about where it stops. That's, that's where, where my contribution we're ends. Com- completely I'm just good right at enunciating. There. Yeah. Um, so uh, we want to get into this podcast, uh, your menu change. So Ariette, yeah. which people who listen to this podcast, you know, Either they knew about Ariette before or they've heard about it listening to this. Right. Bethany, for instance, is from New Hampshire. She has not eaten at Ariette. That's great. Uh, I love that we've touched someone in New Hampshire. Well, I mean, in the Me Too era, we shouldn't just run around saying we're touching people in New Hampshire. Oh, my God. We need Uh, to edit that part out. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, no, yeah, but it is cool. It is cool. We're we're all over the place. Pancom Podcast, this sandwich is traveling all over the place. I think we're going to change the name to Pancom Podcast Worldwide. We're going to end up getting reviews in, like, alphabets we don't understand. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the menu at Ariette has changed, and more significantly than the menu would normally change, say, week to week. Uh, so we're going to get into that. And, and not just the menu change, but rather, you know, a lot of the stuff that is behind it, um, which I think for people who are in your business, who are in the food and restaurant world, will be interesting in one way, but for other people will be kind of a look into not only restaurants, but, you know, the thought process that goes into that, that I think applies to just about any business or any creative or, yeah. or uh, you know, product development yeah. thing. Uh, however, before we get into that, we want to lead. Shout Maybe outs. I want to lead. I, I wrote down these three shout outs that shout I think outs. we're on board. I think we're all on board with these. Shout out number one is to Carluba, who fans of the podcast know from... Yeah, that's the first time that's been said at Navi, which oh. we'll talk about a little bit. Did, yeah. we, did we just christen this place with we that? We did. Oh, we shit. did just, it's been blessed now. <sighs> now you can open. <laughs> um, so yeah, Carluba uh, had, a, or you know, his, uh, his, his wife had a baby. Carlos was there for the ride. Uh, and she's awesome. Congrats. I held said baby. Oh, yeah? Which was nice. Wow. Very light. Yeah, small. Right, yeah. Tiny. Small. She won't be for long, but it was cool, you know, <laughs> right. that I got there before she really put me to the test. Um, <laughs> second shout out is to a guy that we have no connection to. Zero. Zero. Although, actually, no, that's not true. I have exchanged with him on Instagram. Oh. Um, 
And that means you're friends. We're basically friends. Yeah. Yeah. Best friends. We we talked about getting pastelitos for a cigar snob interview. And Ah. my cigar snob has really become my ploy to get people here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So eventually the the idea is that I get Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. Uh, I would love to interview that guy. He is one of my favorite people that I don't know. That that post-fight press conference was incredible. So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Jorge Masvidal is a Miami-born, Cuban-Peruvian UFC fighter uh, who is perhaps the single most Miami person in the public eye right now, Uh, and he's awesome. He just set a new record for the fastest knockout in UFC history at UFC 239. He knocked out Ben Askren in five seconds, but really like two and a half, because that includes the time it took the ref to get on top of him. Yeah, I mean, it 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 was bad. It was. I'm not an MMA fan. I yeah. just don't follow the sport much. Um, but man, that was intense. And then hit the comments in the press conference were just yeah. even better. Yeah. And I didn't know that he was from Miami until I heard that press conference. I was like, man, where's this guy from? Oh, have you seen the post, like the Octagon interview from when he knocked out Darren Till? No. They have to do what I have, so bro. <laughs> the first words out of his mouth when Joe Rogan puts a mic in his face is something like, uh, yeah, thank you very much, but I want to get real personal right now. Uh, to my to my babies, Chino, I love you. <laughs> to my dad, Khalifa, que hola. And this is in London, in front of like 25,000 Brits, and he's que his dad in Miami. It's That's awesome. the best. Um, Those are priceless moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you put, so I know you shared his uh, his response to the criticism of, of the Post knockout punches. Well, he was a hundred percent right. hundred percent. Yeah, he's totally right. And, I like, so the guy can insult him, right? Insult his family, personally attack him, and then when the guy gets his, when he gets whooped, he can't be happy about it. Yeah, he's showboating. Show, he's, whatever. That's what it is. But that's fine. The guy was like insulting his family, and what is he supposed to just be like? Okay, yeah, I just whooped yeah. you. No, man, that's what you get. Yeah. Did you catch the uh, the buffet remark? No. So later in the press conference, he's talking about. Um, yeah, you know, so I was just leaning against the fence and, and I was like, come on, let's go. And he was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. And I could see that he wanted to come eat. He thought he was going to get the three piece, but he got the whole buffet to the face. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as you can hear, our new yeah. ice machine is making some, uh, some very interesting That's noises. Right. So, uh, and then finally, uh, we have one last shout out, which I am, I, I want to make sure that I get these people's handle right. Uh, so there was a story that was circulating oh, this uh, online. So the story that was circulating online was about CVT Soft Serve. That's who they are on Instagram. Their CVT Soft Serve is a soft serve ice cream food truck that made news because they are now charging double for food influencers, social Great. media influencers. So I, I had a feeling that that was going to, uh, you know, resonate with you. That was going to tickle some bone in you when I shared it. And it sure enough, amazing. you were all over that story. Yeah, it was, it was. I had heard something about it, but I didn't see anyone post about it. And then I read more about it, and he's my hero. Yeah, so I, I told – they are a husband and wife team. And I went ahead and told them that if they find themselves in Miami, I'm buying yeah. them croquetas. For sure. So. We'll buy them pastelitos and croquetas. There you go. Yeah. So. Well, but, you know, they, with that move, they became an influencer. It's true. Yeah. yeah. With that move, they now influenced the food and beverage community. Exactly. For the better. But that's, the, that's like the good kind of influence. You're not setting yeah. out to influence. You're just doing a thing. Yeah. You know? So we have a, 
at Jugs now. Well, each location's got someone that handles the Instagram for all of them. And internally, uh, there was a manager meeting, and they were like, what if we created a fake Instagram account for all the times influencers ask us for free shit? That's good. So people could read the things that they say and how ridiculous it sounds. I like it. Let's collaborate. This is not a collaboration. It should be at let's collaborate. Yeah. I don't, that's a good, that is good. This may become a real thing. Oh yeah. I'm I super think. into it. Yeah. I mean, we were, um, it's been, it's being talked about. Yeah. Yeah. At let's collab- collaborate. I like it. I love it. So, um, all right. So now let's kind of jump into it. Um, you may note the different uh, audio quality. Yeah. Here. Let's talk about that. Uh, because we are now in the, I don't even want to say half done. It feels more than half done. It's like 87% done. And this is Nave, which we've talked about before. Yeah. Nave is our newest concept that hopefully we'll be opening within the next few months. Um, myself and my partner, Justin Flitt, we are co-chefs of this wonderful establishment. And we are going to be a seafood concept with a focus on pasta and really delicious fresh seafood. So today was day one of menu testing and it was great. Very exciting. So we are sitting in this empty space. Uh, It's not totally empty, but there's stuff around. Yeah, there's stuff here and it it looks really good. It feels good. It's too bright, Um, but it's going to start to gain its character and stuff very soon. You're going to like sandblast the walls or something? I don't know what we're going to do here, but we're not done. I mean, all the furniture is here, but it's not in here right now. Uh, The bar, as you can see, is not completed. Right. Um, You know, the pasta room is done. I mean, the restaurant so far looks beautiful. For sure. So, um, and the kitchen is completely operational for the most part, 95% of the way. Cool. So, it's pretty exciting. Um you know, we've been working on this restaurant now for a year and a half, and it's great to see things finally come to fruition. And in that time frame, you know, Chugs opened, Ariette turned three, um, you know, Lenya opened. So things have happened. Um, so it's cool, you know, uh, in the Arc Hospitality Universe, which is uh, the umbrella company is kind of like the manager of all these things. Mm-hmm. We, we've we gone through a lot of change, especially just like in the last 30 days. We added Devin Braddock as our corporate pastry chef. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to oversee like a bunch of stuff. Yeah. By the way, I, I don't know Devin yeah. personally. However, uh, you've experienced some of the food. I have experienced one thing, uh-huh. and that is because I saw her post that she was making bananas foster cinnamon oh, rolls. Oh, you did! You did that! You got there in time. So I went to Chugs, and we asked him. I, I was there. I was. I'm dog sitting for a friend. Yeah, I saw that. So we handed off. There, dogs. There's an Instagram handle. There is for an, that. Yeah, yeah. For well, for my dog, my dog has an Instagram handle. Of course, he's, he's Petey the dog. P e a t y like a Scotch. I never. Um, you know, I can't just. I can't pinpoint you for a dog Instagram person. I just, I, I just like this dog that much. I didn't think I was going to be a dog Instagram person either. But Petey has an Instagram handle. Right. He also doesn't like moving, so he makes Instagramming him very easy. Um, but uh, but anyway, no, I, we we went to Chugs to do the dog handoff specifically because I had sent oh, her the dog handoff. Yeah, I, I had, it sounds great. 
I had told her about these cinnamon rolls, and she was like, well, I want to get some before we drive off to where we're going. Yeah. So we went, and the people at Chugs had no idea what we were talking about. Right. So by the time we were done eating, we were about to walk away, and one of the fine uh, Chugs people came out to let us know they had arrived, and I said, how many do you have? And she said, seven, and I said, give me all of them. No, you're the reason that they were gone. Yes. Wow, because well, I was talking to Devin, and we just did it because as like I, a, Because I went around town to the end of cinnamon rolls. So I took uh-huh. to Carluba and his wife, to my parents, to another pregnant person. So I don't need to ask people how they like So how did people like them? People loved them. Good. Yeah, <laughs> my parents liked them. Carlos and his wife were super into them. Another pregnant person loved them. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. No, I, I, mean, I actually have I've had a quarter of a cinnamon roll. I was repartiendo cinnamon rolls. I had, one, I had one whole. Cool. It was, yeah. It's funny because Devin... Text me and she's like, Chef, I, I didn't even get back to Ariette and they were already gone. Yeah. And I'm like, how is that even fucking possible? Yeah. And now that's because you're here it because is. they caught me in time. Next yeah. time you should just like you should have a picture behind the counter, like, don't sell this guy more than one of a thing <laughs> if we want people to experience this. Well, we wanted to see what people liked and I no, mean, but you, people did love him. Good. Yeah. yeah good. Sure. And you so know, there's, we, we sold them at your feedback. We sold them at Ariette as well. And they were just like um Devin is incredibly talented, super hardworking. Um, she's a great addition to the family. And cool. I feel we're super fortunate to have her here. Um, you know, like the, the, the company is only as good as the people in the room. So like the chef management team that we have is incredible. Super fortunate to have uh, people like Justin as a partner, Devin as part of the team. Veronica Valdivia, Phil Bryant, Gio, and Matt. Just like the list is incredible. Nunzio, which is our chef de cuisine for here at Nave, he ran Bocce Bar for a long time. He's an incredible human being and chef. Um, it's just, you know, and now we finally have some younger talent too. So Danny Rosales, which was a line cook two years ago, is now the sous chef of Ariette. Chef Perez uh, went from a line cook at Ariette to being the sous chef in Nave. So, it's just incredible to see kind of like where we're all going. And yeah. that started off by me talking about Nave. And that's because it al- I always say the saying that it takes a village to make things like this work, especially this is our biggest restaurant to date. Um, it's going to be big. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many. Huge. Huge. Oh, you think? Yeah. One more, one more of those? Huge. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many seats exactly, but it's going to be a lot more than what we have currently. Okay. So, um, you know, it's going to take – every bit of everyone's effort to make sure this thing opens up in tip-top shape. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's transition to the whole thing that we wanted to do here. So Ariette. We're, we're talking about menu changes. Menu change, yeah. So, so the, the menu changed. It changed quite drastically. Um, you're holding a menu. Yes. Uh, and you've eaten at Ariette several times. Yep. As you could see, the what you received as a menu is completely different. Right. Yeah. So uh, before it was a, a sheet of paper. It was a sheet was of a paper. Nice, it was nice stock. It was nice. Yeah. It was good. It's the same paper. But now, now it's, it's presented in a menu. Very uh, handsome. Yeah. Oh, and this is uh, yeah. a little relieve. I know. Right it's here. really nice. No, no, no. This is Tapi uh, Galbra. So the, the thought process at the beginning of summer was to really uh, focus in on several things. And mm-hmm. one of them was improving the Ariette experience. Um, and that goes for first and foremost service and a bar program. So we brought in uh, two great people into the 
company, Alex and Bobby Gilardi. They are brothers. And Bobby is our new uh, beverage director. And Bobby, I mean, Alex is our new um, hospitality director. Director of hospitality okay. is his title. I also want to throw out there that Bobby has oh, easily the best Instagram handle in your whole company. Oh, man. He is quite an interesting. We'll have him on here one Champagne day. Champagne Bobby is Yeah, Champagne Bobby is, is interesting. And, um, you know, improving service was first and foremost. And along with improving service, I wanted to elevate the food experience as well. So we wanted to think about how the guest receives the menu and how the menu reads. Um, from an operator's perspective, Ariette being three and a half and going into our fourth year and also bringing a new restaurant on property, I really wanted to uh, kind of give each restaurant their role and how they played a different part on property. So Ariette's identity was going to be even more, um, I say, what would be a good word to put it, like a kind of like etched in, like this is who we are, this is what we do. And that starts with when you sit down and how you receive a menu, all of that comes into play. So let, let, let's just back up a second. Uh -huh. So uh, you mentioned wanting to improve mm -hmm. the experience. And, sure. and it sounds like part of that is having it reflect more closely who you are. Sure. Before this change, mm -hmm. what were – and before this change – I mean, people love the restaurant. Yeah. I'm a fan, but it's easy for me to say that I'm a fan. I'm here hosting a podcast with you. But um, what was it that you felt was off? I, I don't think anything was off. Okay. I think was it, it was. Was it that something about you guys had evolved and it just stopped reflecting that? Or? Yeah, I think okay. something about, about me has changed. Okay. Uh, I think growth is a huge part of that. Maturity is a huge part of that. Understanding the vision more clearly is a part of that. And really... I mean, people who have listened to our podcast in the past know that I've been very open about, like, Ariette went through some very tough times. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Ariette was the restaurant I ever envisioned until today. Okay. So, like, there were certain things that I couldn't do that we couldn't flex because, you know, times were tough and we needed to really – you know, run things very close to the chest, I guess is a good way to put it. But now that I've seen a lot of growth and I've seen the restaurant mature and our client base mature and kind of like our vision really come full circle, I feel that now more than ever, we can really show who we are and what the vision was from day one and how do we uh, show our guests that. Okay. And I think that this is, just the first step in that, we're not completely, totally done. Uh, if I've learned anything in my growth and maturity process is that everything, you need to be calculated with all of your steps. So so how would you describe that vision before oh, we man. get into how it's reflected here? What, what is that vision? Um, I want area to be an experience and I want it to be a conversation with me through food. And I want it to be a conversation about our growth and our journey through food. And, you know, for the everyday diner, they, they may not understand that. Uh, and that's totally cool. I think that our food is a huge representation of, of that journey. You know, if you look at the menu, can you hand it to me? Yep. 
So now we have two pages as before we had one. Right. And a big part of that is to really uh, be able to have more verbiage and easier for a client to understand. Mm -hmm. Along with that is better education for our service staff and our front of the house staff. So before, Ariette would change their menu every two or three days to almost daily, which is totally cool. And we still have nooks and crannies of that on this menu. But the consistency aspect of this lens through season. So, you know, it gives our front of the house staff uh, more comfort to communicate to a guest why a dish lives on here and why why the dish exists at all. Right. So, you know, we have a snack section. Uh, there's oyster section, a raw section, caviar and charcuterie. That is the first page. So if you and I were to come and dine and I were the server, I would tell you that as you look over the menu, I recommend to look over everything on the left side while you really think about the larger dishes that you want to eat. So that being said, maybe we have some smaller dishes to pick from. So we could have uh, a picadera and a mahua. And the idea there is we can enjoy cocktails and wine and really enjoy like enjoy the experience. Mm -hmm. I don't want ever for someone at Ariette to feel rushed. Right. I want them to come in and enjoy a two-hour experience. And not a lot of restaurant people would say that because they want to be more table-turning than anything else. So it's contradictory as a business person to say that. But as the restaurant that I want us to be, that is who we are. I want a table of four to come. Maybe they haven't seen each other for a while. Maybe they just want to get a couple dishes first. Maybe they want just caviar and a bunch of charcuterie and to talk enjoy cocktails enjoy a bottle of wine before they look into getting appetizers entrees and sets mm -hmm. so the menu reads that way the first thing you see is the left side right. of the menu and there's a hard physical break even exactly yeah so really um these are things to snack on and to share and then the right side of the menu is stuff for you to consume yourself so if you want to have like three squares you want an appetizer entree and a dessert, you just go there. Yeah. If you want to try a bunch of stuff, the left side and maybe one thing from the appetizer section is where you want to go, you know? But it, this conversation and this education is huge for from the front of the house perspective in order to understand the kind of service that we want to execute. Yeah. So all of this and all the things that I'm saying are huge in growth because four years ago, I could never eloquently put this for you. I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know how to put that for someone because I was just learning what all this meant to me, period. You know, for me, it was just like, we're going to put some good fucking food out there and it's going to be great and people are going to love it. It's more, it's more than that now. It's a conversation. It is um, a breakdown of like, there's things on the left side of this menu to me that are very personal. Like, Mahua, for instance, this isn't a true Mahua dish because this is smelt. Mahua are a little white bait. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a kid, my dad would take me to this restaurant and he would order these little crispy whatevers. And I'm like, oh, these are fucking delicious. But they were little fish. And I would crush them all day. And you're like, oh, you like that? That's good. I, he grew up eating that yeah. with his dad. So that dish is very personal to me. Um, you know, picadera is something that I'm like a huge pick at eater so i love like going to my grandparents house and they always have like a spread of stuff mm -hmm. and it could be like 
timba, or it could be like uh, crackers with uh, ham or whatever. Chapatica so, or whatever. To me, that's all picadera, and that dish can change rather often. What, you know? what is like an example of what that might look like now? So like right now, it's like uh, pickled quail eggs, beef heart jerky, fried cachucha peppers, and house pickles. Okay. It's just a bunch of little stuff. So right. if you're sitting at the bar and having a martini or having a cocktail, that dish is perfect. Yep. You know? Um, we also added caviar to the menu, which shows, to me, just a little bit of swag. You know, like, and the fact that we serve it with tater tots that we make that are delicious. That's, like, my favorite way to eat a caviar is with, like, a fried something, mm-hmm. you know, like a fried potato or whatever it is. So that dish, to me, I love um, because, you it, again, you could sit at the bar, have a martini, and eat some caviar, or you could have mahua. It just it opens up opportunity for, so, like, a different type of dining experience, mm-hmm. you know, and... For Ariette, I feel like there's layers to that kind of dining experience. Whether you just want to sit at the bar and have a good time, or you want to sit at a table and enjoy the experience, or you just want to come in, have a salad and a chicken, you can also do that. Right. It also it points out to the the journey and the conversation that Ariette has gone through over the last four years. Um, and we really highlighted the cheese and charcuterie portion of the menu. And it's shown in how much more we've sold it. So, um, charcuterie to me, there was like two things I fell in love with in a more elegant kitchen, which was charcuterie and, uh, salpicón de marico, which was like a dish that we used to make at Casa Wancho and I used to eat like buckets of it. It was so good and I had never had it before and whatever. And then charcuterie, um, I remember the first time I learned how to make country pate, which the same country pate I learned how to make is on the menu now. It was like just, it was like a light bulb went off. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Cubans, our culture, we don't know what charcuterie is. Yeah. But we love like, you know, ham. We love chorizo. We love that kind of stuff. It's all in the same vein. It's just very different. Yeah. You know, pates and terrines and mousses. We're not, we don't, we don't know what that is, but we know what like, Spanish chorizo is. We know yeah. what, you know, serrano is. You know, so we know a level of it, yeah. but not the full extent. I'm reminded of this uh, this one old Cuban man who was over at uh, over at the house. We got some pizza. We offered him some pizza. He says, no, hey, sorry, I this is all in Spanish, obviously. But I, you know, como es? I don't eat that. <laughs> so, I don't know, you have like an dairy? No, 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 I just don't eat that. He's like, oh, uh, what do you eat? No, no, I eat everything. What do you mean? You, do? you don't even do. You, okay. Uh, so we start telling him all the random shit that we have in the fridge left over. No, 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 no but I eat everything. I eat no, 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 but I don't need that. I don't need, what do you eat? He says, I eat everything. I eat rice. I eat beans. I eat pork. I eat plantains. Right. I eat everything. I just don't eat pizza or spaghetti. Or <laughs> right. None <laughs> so of that to your Italian point, stuff. Right, right, right. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, and he was running through some non Italian things, but everything to him was rice, beans, and pork. Yeah. I ate all the things. Amen but to, to your that. point, you know, to your point, yeah, there's a. Uh, uh, I dig. That so much of this is tied to your own experiences that move beyond all of that. And, and the conversation includes that part of the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, when you go to the right side of the menu and you have appetizers, entrees, and sides, there's things there that are they're more familiar to the people that have been here. Mm-hmm. More often, we just added more options, you know, I would say. Um, but really... 
the approach from the kitchen to this menu was much more mature. And it shows as part of like our battle wounds, I guess, if you would, mm -hmm. and kind of the growth that we've gotten from that. Like, you know, this menu just rolled out two weeks ago, but we've been planning this menu for eight weeks, more, eight weeks before then. Right. And everything that goes into that is, you know, for instance, uh, we're heavy into using local and seasonal produce. And a big conversation in Miami is like, well, you can't do that in Miami in the summertime. And I think that's a bunch of fucking bullshit. I think it's like a very lazy way of looking at, at the entire idea of food in Miami because it's just hot. So we don't have, we don't have the stuff that we're comfortable with. So we don't sure. have tomatoes, right? We don't have eggplant. We don't have zucchini. We don't have, yeah, we don't have those things, but we do have other stuff. We have passion fruit. We have mango. We have mame. We have jackfruit. We have, um, ciruela. We have, what else is, uh, calabaza, which I am very comfortable with, um, We have lychee. We have, uh, there's so many things. There's all the things. Yeah. But it's like, are you not comfortable doing that? Because you have not gone out of your box and said, how can I trans like transition this to uh, not a regular use of these items? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, like mango. Yes. Mango is great in milkshakes. Mame. Also great in a milkshake. Yeah. Lychee, delicious to just eat the way it is. But how can you leave that thought process and discover a new way of doing food in Miami? Right. And I think that that's like uh, something that we pride ourselves in attempting to do. Mm -hmm. You know, lychee, we uh, must have bought 300 pounds of lychee in three weeks to process them and juice them and freeze them so we could keep them through the summertime. Right. And what is it you're doing with lychee? It's in our ceviche. Okay. So we have a local uh, local fish ceviche with uh, lychee leche de tigre and sweet potato and uh, cachucha peppers and micros. I like the sound of lychee leche. Lychee leche de tigre. It was kind of, it kind of just happened. How, how could it not happen? I know. It was bound I to know. happen. Um, um You know, the ciruela, which was something else that people just ate a lot of. We turned it into a mustarda. Yeah. Um, the mangoes, we serve it with stracciatella, cheese, and a salad. Um, we also processed a bunch, and uh, we turned them into pastelitos for chugs. Um, you know, uh, calabaza, we uh, did jerk calabaza, and we serve it with the ciruela mustarda and smoked pork chop. Um, you know, it's just like... It, We're not reinventing the wheel. Right. But this is this is kind of like the way the wheel should look in Miami. Right. Um, you're, you're contextualizing Miami foods the way that other people are contextualizing their foods. Right. This and, is, it's, a, it's a thing that's a lot more normal elsewhere. Right. And, and, I think, and I mean, a lot of the things that you ran through are, are tropical fruit. Right. I think we're just not used to the idea that tropical fruit can be anything other than just a tropical fruit in right. a bowl. Well, one of my favorite things on the planet is mame. Right. I mean, I... I love mame. So much so that you have a mame. I have yeah. a tattoo of mame. Yes, that's correct. Um, and, uh, but it's always like, you know, mame batido. I, and I was so like tired of it. So we did uh, a chilled mame soup uh, with beets and feta and uh, shaved beets and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's a little different. 
and uh, not everyone, not everyone totally understands it, you know. But if I were to call it, if it were to be a tomato gazpacho, we'd probably sell more of it. Yeah. But it's not tomato season, so we don't have tomatoes on the menu. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like we go. We've just we've looked at the the landscape of food that we have throughout the summertime, and we're like, how can we best fit our menu for the next twelve weeks? Right. And it's communicating with our farmers and saying, hey, can we get this for the next 12 weeks? How long are we going to have this? Um, are we going to be able to, um, you know, process this, turn into jam, preserve it through X amount of time so we can use it longer? I feel with this menu, you know, we sat down with our entire chef team and we put together a great plan for a summertime menu using local ingredients. Right. You know, and we we even sourced local beans, uh, Christmas lima beans, which was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. But it's simply because I asked the question. I said, can we get this? Can we do this? Well, I don't know if we can do it. Uh, you know, and, and then it was just taking the time to source these products well. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I'm very proud of the menu that we put out. And yeah. it was rough the first few days. Uh, it was a lot of change for the kitchen. You know, we went through extensive recipe testing, uh, doing extensive recipes, which, again, is kind of a, a different thought for us because we've always been like an off-the-cuff kitchen. So we'll come up with a recipe, we write it down, and then we run it for a month, and then it disappears, and we come up, we do the same process, and we do another one. This was more thought out. Yeah, which also affects the experience. because, I right. imagine, And that, I guess, is a transition for you guys, too. Because people may have come to know Ariette as a restaurant with an off-the-cuff kitchen, which is, you know, maybe that's attractive to some people. And now it's a different, a different person well, looking for I, a different experience. Instead of uh, updating the entire menu, we've added, you know, uh, almost like a highlighted weekly menu that yep. is an insert in the menu. Yeah. So if we can only get this product for a week, then, you know, we're only going to run this dish for a week. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm excited. And I really, I think that this menu, the reason why I say that this menu is kind of like what I always envision Ariette being is because we used a bunch of very Miami ingredients in a not very Miami way. Right. And we executed them in a way that I could be super fucking proud of, you know, and it's, and it's continuing that, that role. And yeah, yeah. You know, when we get into December, we'll have tomatoes and we'll do something with tomatoes. Yeah. You know, we'll have leeks and we'll do something again with them, but it's like, how do we continue to push that experience forward? Um, is part of who we are. Like, uh, I don't know. This weekend we ran an avocado soubise, which was a very weird thing and it was delicious and yeah. people liked it. We sold a bunch of it. In the same style, we had last of the season uh, spring onions, and we did um, smoked fillet and seaweed, and we sold none of them because it was too much. Right. But that's totally fine with me because I'm okay with pushing that envelope because that's also part of who we are. Right. You know? That dish was fucking delicious. Yep. It was very good. It was a little weird, and that's totally fine. So one thing that, that you mentioned uh I don't know how long ago now, uh, but when you mentioned the caviar, yeah, you were talking about maturity, and and then with that, you use swag. 
Yeah. Talk a little bit about, because I think that's something that especially people who are not thinking about food the way that you're thinking about it might see caviar and associate that with a maturity. Oh. And I, it makes perfect sense to me yeah. that you use swag there. Yeah. So I, talk about know, the difference between like a thing, re, you know, reflecting some maturity and a thing just being like, that's just swag. Yeah. I like, um, and you know, to, to a point, our, our charcuterie program too, he's got some swag to it because to be a small private restaurant, to have a charcuterie program of 10, 12 items is super ambitious. Um, but that's like a flex, you know, like we are super proud of what we're capable of and we want to show it. Mm -hmm. So like the fact that you can come here, have a tray of caviar beautifully presented to you and a board of charcuterie that's all made in house. Yeah. I'm, I'm about that, you know? And, um, I think it shows a great level of confidence too, in who we are and what we're going to be and how we're going to continue to push, you know? Um, I love it. And like when I see, you know, I I expedite usually every Friday night. And when I see some of the food that people are ordering, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to take some risks with some of the new menu items and they're, they're willing to go out there and do it. And they're willing to try some new things. And, you know, I mean, we're selling a lot of charcuterie, which to me is incredible and it makes me super proud, you know? Um, How much of that do you think is, that maybe more so than other towns, Miami is charcuterie is not totally foreign to Miami. We well, have, we, I, I I, I kind of disagree with that. Really, I think that um, you know when you're talking about sliced like cured meats and stuff, they get it. I just mean like yeah, and that's what I mean. Like just in terms of the format, like yeah. it's not something that a lot of, for example, living in the Midwest and you having lived in Virginia, it's not something that you outside of Miami it's as typical to go to a restaurant. And get sliced meats. It may not be what you're serving here. It yeah. may not be of a certain... But just the concept of, I'm going to go to a restaurant, and that's what I'm going to do, and it's going to feel like it was worth it. Yeah. It's not something that's familiar to people elsewhere in the country, but that is something that we do. But you also look at the major food markets, and like, I'll never experience, uh, forget my experience at Avec in Chicago, and the food is like incredible there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I was sitting on the bank, and I was looking at the bar, and the restaurant is not big. And they have a long bar that goes down kind of like the middle of the restaurant. And just a bunch of people like eating charcuterie and having mm-hmm. a couple of drinks and just chatting and enjoying their time. And I look at that and I was like, you know, yeah, that's 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 what I'm about. I like that shit, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I loved that about that experience, that there was people around me dining and enjoying food. Right. Full, like, three-course meals. Like, there was four of us and we ordered way too much fucking food, but it's cool. Totally right. okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, we wanted to try a lot, lot of stuff. And then there's still people at the bar, like, having a cocktail and, uh, or a glass of wine and uh, eating charcuterie. I loved it, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I feel the, our menu that we just did is much more confident. We're, we are much more confident in who we are. And I feel much more confident in who I am as a chef. So I feel like I can... I want to talk about that more. And, and that's why this menu change was so big. And also, um, you know, summertime, people are like dialing back, like, you know, it's slow, mm-hmm. which these are the dog days of summer and we feel it. It's fucking slow uh, everywhere um, for everyone. 
So, you know, people dial back and I was like, you know, fuck it. Let's like dial this shit in. Let's pick it up. So when season comes around, we are 100% dialed into who we are and what we want to be from a service perspective, from a food perspective, from a chef perspective. And, you know, internally, we we've pushed our chefs more than we ever have before. Uh, we have a bigger staff than we ever have before. And, you know, it's the slowest time of the year. Yep. But we're doing that because we feel like right now is the time to really work on ourselves more than ever. So, you know, spending this money on menu changes, new plates, and, uh, new serviceware and uh, uh, new uniforms and new menus and all that stuff. We believed in that because there's a plan, you know, it, I think that also shows so much in the mental aspect of what we're doing. There is a plan. And if there's anything I could say that I've learned in the last four years, it's like have a plan Mm -hmm. and stick to that plan and like really be on top of your plan every day. You know, I wake up and I make a list to add to my plan and we, we check off that list every day. And, you know, today's list was Nave recipe testing and further menu conversations for Ariette. Like now that we've sat, seen 14 days of a sample size, what do we think? Mm-hmm. How do we, you know, and I sat with my front of the house managers this morning and I was like, what are you guys seeing? You know, also part of that journey is like understanding, like you need to have a conversation with other people about what are, what are we thinking about the new food? What are the reactions being about new food? When you're a younger chef, I don't think you'd necessarily ask that question because you're scared to hear the response. You're scared to say, well, people don't really like this. Like the mame soup. I fucking love that soup. People don't love it. People, I don't know if people don't love it. People don't order it that much. Right. So how can we either tweak that dish or how can we move on from that dish? And I've already in my brain moved on from the dish to three other options, but we have a plan now, you know, and it's like, how do we put that plan into place? Right. More than ever, people talk about like, you know, when you grow, you lose quality. Fuck that. You just need to be prepared. You need to have a plan because as our hospitality grows, if anything, I think our quality improves because we add more quality people to our staff, you know, and, and with the addition of chugs and Lenya and Nave, um, and, you know, we already have scapegoat and Taurus in that umbrella. I think the quality of what we're doing is really fucking improved, you know, and, and from every angle, uh, cocktails to service to food, all that stuff. And it, it's really and it's all about having a plan like we. Uh, so in the meeting I sat in this morning, we were talking about, well, might be spices in a month. How are are, are we prepared? We've been talking about spice already for 60 days. Miami Spice, by the way, for people who may not know what that yeah, is. Because uh, we are in New Hampshire. Yeah. So people in New Hampshire or people in New York, like New York has it. It's called Restaurant Week, but it's only yeah. a week. Miami has it. It's for eight weeks. So essentially you get a three-course meal for $39 from any restaurant under the sun that wants to par- participate in it. And for lunch, you get uh, two courses for 23 So... You know, we're talking about doing family style three course menu for $39. And we're already talking about what does that look like on a service perspective? Mm-hmm. You know, we already have a menu laid out for it. Um, you know, we have cocktails laid out for it. We, we, it's been planned already for 
a month. Yeah. You know, and even with all the planning and you're ready and whatever, then when the day comes, you're like, fuck, we didn't think about this. Mm-hmm. And all that, that's always going to happen. But, you know, now more than ever, I feel ready to like, to crush that shit. Yeah. But it's just, um, you know, in the, in the meeting I was in this morning, we were talking about, okay, Miami Spice. And then what about fall? Where are we at for fall? Mm-hmm. Like cocktails. Do you have ideas for fall cocktails? Because if you look at our new beverage menu, our beverage menu's got drawings that are hand-drawn from our designer on all the beverage menus. So are we going to change that cocktail? Because if we're going to change that cocktail, we got to change the design. Right. You know, so it's just like all those things. So if we're going to change it in October to pumpkin spice, no, it's okay. Not saying that's going to happen. I really hope that's the name of the drink. Yeah. That's actually a really good name. <laughs> but if we're going to change that to whatever, a pumpkin size spice, no sé qué, um, <laughs> that's got to be the name of it now. Uh, are we going to change the drawing? Are we going to take that? We have a dr- we have a drink called a, uh, Walter Mercado, which is the drawing on the di- on, on the menu. Are we going to change that? Uh, we have a Cafecito Negroni on there. Are we going to change that? Those are probably not going to change, but... You know, we have to take that into consideration when we make those menu changes. Um, you know, we're we're rolling out a new cigar program as well. How are we going to do that? Very exciting, by the way. I'm very excited about that, too. This is all what I mean about this is not the end of the evolution. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is just the first step. And that's why it gets me so fucking excited because now, more than ever, I'm confident in the changes we're making because we have – right such a talented, hardworking staff here to do it. Yeah. You know, like the Gilardi brothers are great. I'm like, you know, Raf Vasquez also, he's in charge of making this cigar program happen. You know, hey, I want to pair three spirits with these cigars. That's a whole other fucking curveball. Yeah. But now, you know, we have McAllen Rare Cask. We have um, Facundo Paraiso. We'll have a third one that... Hey, we have a one ounce pour to go with the cigar to enjoy after your meal. You can come smoke it on the side of Ariette, but we'll have cigar ashtrays and a nice setup and a little music and whatever, you know, a little bar that you can enjoy, whatever. Yeah. We're going to have that ready for when the weather is permitting. Right. Which is December. Yeah. You know, but right now, you know, we have all these options and we're putting it all together. Uh, that's something that you've been a part of as well to help us. So thank you. Um, so it's just like the continuing of evolution. And the one thing I can tell people when you open up a restaurant is that the fight is never over. You know, when, when you're open for three years or for five years or for eight years, um, the restaurant never stops evolving. The restaurant is never done. You know, like, well, you know, we need to buy five new chairs for that section. I know because I need to buy eight new chairs for the banquettes at area. You know, like I need to, uh, we just, um, you know, change the outdoor awning situation. We need to change a little bit more. We need to buy some more furniture for that. It's just like a never-ending battle. And it's not a battle, but it's just an evolution. So, you know, I, I had coffee with one of my mentors who I respect dearly. And he was telling me about how... Uh, his restaurant that is 13 years old, the plans he has for year 14 and 15. And I admire that in someone that has a product that is so proven 
But he's like, no, no, no. I mean, even at 14 years old, we need to continue to evolve because if not, we're going to die in this market that, you know, we have restaurants opening every day. This morning at the gym, uh, I made a, there was a guy who's a restaurant real estate guy, goes to the same gym I do. And we're just talking shit. And he's like, ah, well, you know, people has all the restaurants and they go away to another or whatever. It's like, ah, okay, whatever. And I was like, well, you know, if the real estate guys helped us out rent-wise, maybe more restaurants would make it. And then I hear another guy in the corner. He's like, well, if all rents were five grand, then everyone would open a restaurant. And my response was, everyone does open a restaurant already. But not all of them survive. Right. Because they think that once they've completed what they thought was the vision for that restaurant, that they were done. But that's not the case. You need to evolve with time. And it's not just that they think that they're done. When they realize they're not done, they don't realize that there's still opportunity to correct course and yeah. to evolve and all 100%. that. They, they figure like, oh, the idea flopped. I'm done. That's it. I'm out. Right. But, you know, you guys fought through that. We we did fight through it. And I think that's why uh, in this, like, menu change, it's more than just a menu change. Mm -hmm. It's... It's the evolution to what I think Ariad's full potential really can be. And along with that, it's opening up of a new concept that's going to be, I think, for this block, it's going to be huge. You know, like having two great restaurants in this block that we have never had. Ariad's not the same block, the same corner. Yeah. So, I mean, literally 10 feet away from each yeah. other. Um, you know, Ariad's pretty much been on an island with Taurus uh, for three and a half years. You know, we've had, uh, in my time here, three restaurants open and close in this location that we're sitting in. So, you know, one was going to open and then they never even got to that. And the other one opened and then another one closed. And so, you know, we're, we're hoping to really bring something special to this corner as a dining experience for Miami. Yeah. And I, I'm super excited about it. All right. So I want to, unless there's something else you want to get into, I want to end on, uh, you know, we're talking about the evolutions at Ariette, yeah. uh, this new concept. Uh -huh. And I think for somebody who is listening to this, who hasn't ever been a part of this world, mm -hmm. one of the things throughout the course of this whole conversation that might have them wondering, like, oh, what does that look like, is the number of times you've been using we. Because this is clearly about your vision. Right. But you're bringing a lot of people along. Sure. And the idea is for them to feel, uh, I don't know if invested is the word, whether invested or feel, like, it, they're part of 100% this thing and they the idea is for them to identify with this identity. We so uh, talk about talk about what that looks like and, and what I don't know if you want to say leading or or what does that whole thing look like of getting these people so on board that they feel like yeah this is a thing that we're doing it's a reflection of who we are. Yeah, I um oh, man, that's a big question. I know. Yeah, it's 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 not that it's a big question, it's just like there's so many angles to attack this sure, question. Yeah. My younger years coming up in this business, I felt like uh, people dangle carrots in front of you all the time. And I think that could probably go for any business, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, if you do this, you'll, you know, we'll promote you to sous chef in six months or eight to or whatever. The people that uh, work with me in this company are some of my best friends and some of the people I look up to the most because we have been through it together since day one. And the one thing I tell... Newer people that I do recruit, because I do recruit people to come. Devin, I recruited Devin. Uh, you know, she worked for a very dear friend of mine, and 
I spoke to him about it first and he gave us the blessing. And so I recruited her. Um, and the big thing is I don't want employees. I want partners. I want uh, someone to work alongside me to make this company great because to me, this company, the the goal of this company is not just for uh, me to be well-known. It's for us to continue to put Miami on the food and beverage map in the country. You know, um, there's so many people in the city doing special things. And we just want to continue to be part of that conversation. So it's like, you know, we want to put out great food, not just for ourselves. I mean, and we do enjoy our job, but for for the city. And yeah, like I, I say it more often than not is like I want a partner, not an employee. And, you know, there's people that are partners. There's people that we have um, – partnered up with and invested money into to a concept that they have within our umbrella and there's people that have had an idea and you know i believed in their in them along with their idea and we have put money behind that to really make that a real life thing um and that like that's why i always say uh pastelito papi is 100% Geo, Chef Geo, because, you know, we had a conversation years ago and we're like, what if we made like really good pastelitos? And he was like, yeah, man, let's do that. And I'm like, and he was like, yeah, I want to do that. I'm like, man, do that. I got you. Whatever you need, I'm there for you. Because that guy, when I was, when, when we needed him, he was there for me and my company and all of that. He's still now, you know, like he's still. Right. So, um, I feel like we are a family and I don't, it's hard because, you know, like I, I am also the business operator, so I need to make decisions that people don't necessarily love. Uh, so it's, it's a hard balance for me, but at the end of the day, we work together and I, I'll never sit in a meeting unless it's like, you know, black and white and say, you have to do this. I will ask you your opinion and be like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? How do you think we should approach this? How do you think we grow this department? How do, like, I hated when people talked at me. I wanted to be a part of that conversation. And I felt like uh, when I started this company and this thing, I wanted people to feel like they were a part of the conversation. Goes to some of that Shepherd Viking stuff that you were talking about. 100%. With Pablo. Uh, and that's hard as fuck because I am, I'm a little crazy. So, you know, like in the kitchen, uh, I had a friend of mine that came for dinner and he was like, man, you are aggressive in the kitchen. Cause I am, I'm, I'm an aggressive cook. I was trained by aggressive chefs. I was trained to be like, you know, you got to fucking, you know, we have a job. We have to fucking focus in on putting out great food. That's all we care about is putting out great food over and over and over and over again. And at the end of the day, I approach the business the same way. We need to run a great business. We need to run a great restaurant group, a great hospitality group. Um, so I, when I mention we, I, I do mean that wholeheartedly. Like we are a team and we are uh, – how do we make this great? 
there was a instance a couple of weeks ago. We have a new cook, good kid, hardworking kid, a little scattered, uh, but young. And uh, he's like frantic. He is a mess. And I notice uh, the one I think thing I've always been good at is like being pretty good under pressure and never like really cracking. I've cracked like maybe three or four times under pressure in the kitchen in those moments you'll never forget. And it's like, uh, and something that we recurrently talk about is like the mental health aspect of how do you deal with those like high pressure moments? So I remember a lot of times as a younger cook, you know, they would leave you on an Island and they would tell you to go fucking figure it out. Mm-hmm. So this kid is very frantic and, um, I sit there and I'm like, you know, tell me what you need. And he runs off a list. So then I bring uh, Chef de Cuisine and my commissary chef and another cook that's downstairs. And we all go to his station. And I say, we are here to help you with what you and we need to make this service great. So tell us how we can help you get there. Yep. So everyone jumped on it. And by 6 o'clock, we were ready for service. That's how we... Get to right. where we need to be. Yeah. Because, again, we're Which not... Is the way that a family might do that if there was an issue. 100%. Yeah. And, that, and that's the way when I was a football player, that's how we, we approach things. Like, we were a team. Right. You know, we did things together. It's never like, you need to just fucking get that shit done. It's like... And maybe I wouldn't have said this five years ago. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe I wouldn't have said this three years ago. But now, I feel like uh, we can accomplish so much more as a team than we can is just on a on an island by ourselves mm-hmm. and i think we are every day uh i feel super confident and just like very excited about the future of Ariette and nave and just like all the shit that's happening and it's hard to say that when we're so fucking slow because it's it's july but it's really understanding the bigger picture and when matt and myself and Gio were working saute nine years ago for Norman. And we were talking about like, you know, how we wish we could do things. This is what I really think we were talking about. And I think we're there. And that's yeah. why it's so exciting. Cool. So with that, I think we're we, done. Well, we are going to shift into our shameless plugs right now. Oh, shameless plugs. So I'm going to go ahead and note that you're pig ink. P-I-G-I-N-C yeah. on all the things. All the things. Uh, you can find Pancong Podcast on all the things at Pancong Podcast or on the website dadmag.com. That's D-A-D-E-M-A-G.com. Right. Jump in there. Slash Pancong Podcast. Write reviews and shit. Like people go, are writing reviews write about. Reviews, go to the um, Facebook page. Write a review on the Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, Share shit on Instagram. Share shit. People share shit. Share on shit Insta- on Instagram. <laughs> People have been sharing all kinds of shit on Instagram. Um, then uh, we are going to, in the very near future, be doing some exclusive content for our patrons. Yeah. So if you're on, if you're a Patreon person, you can go to patreon.com slash DadeMag. Yes. Which will be a way to get exclusive shit for all the Dade things, which we're going to be jumping back. Well, not we. In this case, you're not the we. You're a we for Pancom Podcast. Dade is other things also. Okay. So if you're contributing as little as a buck a month, you're going to get exclusive Pancom Podcast things, but also exclusive other shit things. Yeah, that's good. Um, I feel so like it's a good deal. all kinds of stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, 
And then uh, finally, what else? Uh, what else do I have here? I think that's. I think that's the extent of our of our shameless plug. Shameless, uh, shameless plugs. I got a couple locally. Go for uh, it. We're doing a uh, two collaboration dinners. Uh, one on the sixteenth with Chef Norman Van Aken uh, at Adlib and Hetty Goldsmith, which are two of my very dear friends and both uh, mentors and legends in the culinary community both in Miami and uh, around the country. Yeah. Um, then we are doing a Miami Spice mashup on the 18th with Fuchs uh, down in the Ariette basement. Nice. Um, so it's going to be like a three-course with wine uh, family-style dinner. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's like, a, you know, they do like a lot of Persian-influenced stuff, so it should be very interesting. Uh, super talented people over there, great people. I've been eating at Fuchs for a long time. So I'm excited about that. Uh, we will be starting Miami Spice on the 1st of August. So that's cool. Um, and then uh, Nave opens sometime soon. Um, you know, come visit us. Uh, also at Chugs. That's a thing. That pop-up's got another nine months happening on it. Nice. Remember, a year-long pop-up. So uh, that, that's one of the things that's happening. And, you know, Ariette's seven days a week. So, uh, yeah. I mean, those are all my shameless plugs. I just realized I have another shameless plug now that we're shouting out other people on our shameless plug. Great. The July-August issue. Remember how last time we did a Cigar Snob shameless plug, Andy was in the mix? Andy oh, yeah. Jim Barba? Sure. The July-August issue of Cigar Snob magazine has three whole pages of Chef Miguel Massens. Oh, walking Miguel. You through, walking you through how to purchase and prepare Wagyu Vacío. So... Look for the July-August issue of Cigar Snob Magazine uh, wherever is selling cigars near you or Barnes & Noble or whatever, and you can find that. It'll also be online soon enough, so if you don't want to pay for the magazine. I'd also like to welcome Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook to Miami. Shout out to Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook, yeah. Russell yeah, Westbrook's yeah. not here yet, but no, he's he'll, yeah, he'll, yeah, Eventually he'll be here. He may not be playing for the Heat, but he'll be here, and he's, he's welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Miami. Yeah, we don't do enough sports. We got any more sports. We should yeah, do, do a whole do like sports a whole, episode. Get big on here. Oh, oh, wow, man. Wow. Then we talk about Sanhousis and all kinds of shit that doesn't matter. Que delicioso. <laughs> should we end there? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.